Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a very, very exciting episode. Um, We've been having so much fun on the pre-call. I had to stop myself to hit record, but we are here today with Kristen David from Up Leveling Your Business. So she has a absolutely fascinating story, starting out as a solo attorney, scaling up to multiple seven figures, and repeating the process a couple of times. So um, there's some really fantastic stuff to talk about here. So thanks for making it on the show, Kristen. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. All right. So one of the things I wanted to jump back into from the pre-call was we were talking about your living schedule. So I think you mentioned that you're doing about four months in the Pacific Northwest. You got four months where you live in Paris and four months that you just block over to travel. So kind of an interesting outcome and one that I think a lot of people want to, but you know, kind of broad strokes. How'd you find yourself in this position? (laughs) Well, I've always loved to travel. And when I owned my law firm back in 2012, I made it a goal that by 2017, I wanted to live in the South of France for a month and be able to work remotely. I didn't know how the hell I was going to do it, but I knew I was going to do it somehow. And sure enough, in 2017, I spent a month in the South of France and great Airbnb with great internet and was able to make that a reality. And so sometimes you just set the goal and you figure out the how later. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, obviously it was good enough that you decided to make it an every year thing and also forex the time, which is pretty cool. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's really interesting. And, and just kind of as far as what ended up happening to get there, obviously there's a couple steps in between the 2012 and 2017 and certainly to 2020 today. But yeah, I mean, just to kind of get into it, like as far as this goal setting thing, I know we're going to be having this podcast episode come out right through the end of the year, but you know, there's a difference. I think a lot of people know of goals. A lot of people set goals, but clearly you've been able to reach them very consistently. So what do you think kind of ended up leading to that? So I've always been a planner, but I have, um, what I've found is, so I didn't know any law school didn't teach me any of these things. And I got in, I was a great trial lawyer. I was defending lawyers and doctors and malpractice actions. But what I finally figured out is that when I sat down and learned how to write a business plan and learned how to map out quarter by quarter. Like, okay, at the end of the year, I want X. What do I need to do quarter by quarter to get there? It was like this easy roadmap, this this little ladder of step-by-step what you need to do. And when it was broken down like that, it was so much easier to execute and to hold myself accountable to those things. So I'm a big fan of set the goal and then set kind of some quarterly, how how are we going to get to that point? And then from there, the how always comes together. Okay, that's a very interesting approach. And then as far as the thing too, and this is also something I know from the pre-call, but you have a very, very broad base. I know there's, uh, you have a, an excellent uh, capacity with systems, but it's almost a little bit challenging for, for me as I mean, the host is what direction you want to bring it into because you've got the systems, you've got the hiring, you've got the sales, you've got the marketing. You've, anyway, but, everything. <laughs> let, me, let me break it yeah. down real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know any of this stuff. I mean, law school is great about teaching you the technical, but I, I became a partner and I immediately was like, how do you juggle and manage all these different components of your law firm and um, learned how to 
build a business like a business and really run, treat it like a business. And it was scary. Uh, you know, you make a plan, you're like, okay, I'm going to hire these people. And then when it comes to pulling the trigger, I know firsthand, no judgment, it's scary as heck. And I didn't know how to write a budget. I didn't know how to read financial reports. And part of that was I had to learn how. And and that's why I actually published a book earlier this year. It was a lot of fun. It was like the A to Z book. I wish somebody would have given me out of law school because they don't teach you any of this stuff in school anymore. And once you learn it, it's it makes it so much easier to then be able to balance it and to be able to know who to hire and how to hire them, to know what financials you need to look at, to recognize, okay, I want more clients. So how am I going to do the marketing? How do I, how do I even build a marketing plan? Um, so these are the fun things that now I, you know, I built up my law firm successfully, doubled it, rewrote my business plan, doubled again, sold my law firm, which is another whole conversation. Uh, but the best part was learning how to build the systems so that it can all be replicated. And now I have the joy of working with business owners, helping them do those types of things because to be honest, it's not that hard. It's just that when no one's ever explained it, you, it's hard to know what you don't know yet. So it's out there. It's just, you got to put it all together. Yeah. And it's kind of funny. So this is actually reminding me of a situation I had with uh, the first business I ever started, right? And the partner I was working with was a little bit more like senior and and uh, this his business experience. And it was like, yeah, you know, it's super important. Like you got to focus on, it's about the sales. It's about the marketing. It's about the operations. It's about the finances. And I'm just like, you can't prioritize all those things at the same time. <laughs> I think for somebody who might be in the same position that I was, or somebody who's coming to you for coaching services right now, what's sort of the order of operations that you you try? I mean, obviously, you know, this is like eating an elephant. So what, what part do you usually like to start with? And does anything kind of fall under um, these more overarching goals or anything like that? Like, how does that usually play out? So our logo actually kind of covers this a little bit because it's four upright arrows in, you know, each one's a little taller than the last. And the first pillar, we have the four pillars of successful business management. And the first pillar is planning. A little planning goes a long ways. The second pillar is marketing and sales. You got to get out there and hustle because if you're not converting potential clients into paying clients, your business dies, right? Like that you got, that's crucial. And then the next component, the next pillar is management. You got to actually service the clients and do whatever it is you've promised and then the fourth pillar is, especially as you grow, you've got to be a good money manager. And, and the beautiful thing about that is just a little bit like 20 or 30 minutes a week, 40 minutes a week on your financial controls completely puts you, the owner, in the driver's seat. Like you feel so much more confident and less scattered if you do it for just 40 minutes a week. So, you know, having a little bit of a basis of like what to work on where, um, a little planning, get yourself set. So every month you work with your bookkeeper for 40, 30, 40 minutes. Um, then it's really heavy on the marketing and sales. Uh, what, I, I don't know about you, but it, it's happened to me. I know you market, 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 you bring in all these clients and then you're in the trenches doing all the work and you don't have time to market. Have you been there? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, and the thing that we talk about a lot for uh, for the clients we're working with sometimes is um, depending on the kind of marketing that you have and the, the team that you have, but like the super common thing we'll see with solos, for example, we call it the referral roller coaster. 
because it's it's dependent on your personal input and if the fulfillment's also dependent on your personal input then those things are fundamentally at odds with each other your success is sowing the seeds of your future destruction unfortunately yeah Yeah. so one of the things and it's interesting it's not just for law firms it's for all kinds of businesses and that's i i have so much fun now working with all kinds of professionals but one of the things we say is number one get your financial house in order just a little bit of of like Get clear on what your reports you need to see, get your bookkeeper giving them to you, just a little bit of that, and then you can feel secure on that. Then it's bring in that marketing assistant. This can be a 10 hour, five to 10 hour a week person. You could pay them $20, $25 an hour. It could even be a college kid. But at least then you've got the marketing cranking for you because yes, there'll be some reach out calls and things that you personally as owner need to do. But to keep that top of mind awareness, having a few of the social media posts, a, a weekly or monthly newsletter going out, those are those are items that somebody else can help you with, and they're going to help make sure that it happens consistently. So I, we often encourage, whether you're a dentist or a chiropractor or a lawyer, that low-level marketing assistant just helps keep that crank going so you don't have those big ups and downs with your marketing that no judgment zone. We've all been there. (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent too. And like the other thing too, is just like, you know, if if it's coming down to ultimately like your resources and like, look, obviously I'm a little bit biased because we do marketing for law firms, but it's like, basically uh, if you don't have dry powder, where are you going to have the money to spend to hire these people to help you out or to have the bandwidth in your schedule to focus on these things in the right way, earning those things. But this is actually kind of interesting. Like, um, do you ever watch, do you watch Shark Tank, Kristen? (laughs) I do love Shark Tank. So this is the sole phrase I always hear from uh, from Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful. So he always says something like, you know, money is like you send it out there. It's like your soldiers. And if you go out and the money goes and captures more soldiers, you're winning. But if you're putting the money out, it's not coming back, then you're losing. You're a bad general. And I think the marketing hire as being the first one is a piece of advice that I, I wish was recommended more consistently. Uh, but I think it's also tough, too, because like, you, you know, you mentioned, look, even if it's 10 hours, we have somebody who might not necessarily be super experienced, a lot of different things you can have them do, and maybe not have a ton of resources as far as the time they can put into it. So how do you recommend people take that first time and, and have it be meaningful in a way that's setting them up for success and, and doubling down down the line? <laughs> so we didn't actually talk about this. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but, so I actually, um, so We've got some buddies uh, over at Get Staffed Up that do virtual offshore uh, staffing for law firms. And I was talking to one of the owners, Brett Trembley, and he was like, Kristen, we're placing these marketing assistants to lawyers, but they don't know how to manage these people. They don't know what to like assign them to work on and how to have clear deliverables and what needs to be done every week and every month. And And I was like, I can solve that. And so last spring I created a package that we sell now. It's one of our best-selling items. It's called how to hire on board and work with a marketing assistant. And it's to give the, the business owner as well as have the assistant watch, like, here's what you're supposed to do with social media. Here's what you're supposed to do with the blog. Here's what you're supposed to do with the newsletter. And here's the deliverable that's going to drive results. And that way you can tell with the KPIs, are they doing their job? Is it working? Is it not working? Um, But listen, guys, not everybody needs to run out and buy that package. Start small. Pick a couple of key things. Don't go hire a full-time person necessarily. Like you were just saying, like five, 10 hours a week, give them an assignment, 
tell them what you want, give them the tools, walk them through a couple of examples, and then assign them to go do five social media posts, prep them and bring them to you. And then you get to say yes, no, change this. And then you have them post for you. And then you do five more and like you can build up and with not that much extra time, you could train somebody up or you can hire a company or hire someone else to do it for you. But the point is, is just have some focal attention to that area. That's what's key to all of this. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of the stuff too, and maybe speaking from experience, <laughs> like one of these situations too, like I remember when I was in college, it was like, sometimes like, I remember like when it was like the end of the semester and I didn't, you know, I'd spend all my money on beer or whatever. And I didn't want to like, whenever I was taking money out, like I would just like show balance. Like, no, 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 I don't want to pay attention to this. And I think it's one of these situations, like, especially if you have the guilt around not having gotten into marketing earlier or, you know, whatever, it's like, it's one of those situations. It's always best to the best time to plant a tree is hundred years ago. Second time is today. I think yeah. people end up putting it out and, and kind of avoiding it. But I think one of the really important things that you just brought up there for, uh, is, you know, this whole idea of KPIs, knowing whether this stuff works or not, because, you know, there's this concept of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. But if you don't even, if you're not able to see the wall, what are you even supposed to do? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to zoom in and be a little bit more tactical. So like when we're talking about these first tasks, like what do you find uh, for the people that you're working with? Like what are like some some good ones that are able to either stably or predictably or, or quickly get new business in the door so they can potentially, you know, use that to scale? So if you're looking for a social media person, you, so this goes with some of the interview questions. Like you ask them, tell me about your social media. Like if, if the, the person you're thinking of hiring has never done any social media, then that's a big red flag, right? Mm -hmm. If now maybe they don't have their own personal accounts, but they've worked on for other people, right? Mm -hmm. um, if they don't understand about the different platforms or marketing strategies on Instagram versus LinkedIn. So for your audience, for instance, for lawyers, LinkedIn is a great place to be where you're talking to the influencers of your clients. Like, do you have, your post would say, do you have clients who need help with XYZ? Um, on Facebook, you might be talking directly to your buying unit. Do you need a divorce? Do you need help with XYZ? On Instagram, it's much more, maybe you're if you do estate planning, you're maybe talking to the adult children or the young children. If you're doing divorce, you might be talking to the siblings and the friends. Like, do you know someone who needs help getting a divorce or something like that? So you're talking to the influencers on that side, on the social side. So different platforms might hit different audiences that can maybe influence your, your target client. Uh, so you know, if, if you're talking to a social, like a marketing assistant, potential marketing assistant about social media, you ask them some questions about what's their experience on these different platforms and what have they done? Um, if you're asking for, a, maybe you want to do more videos and you're looking for a video editor or marketing assistant to help with video stuff, maybe the working interview is like, hey, do a video and send it to me telling me why I should hire you and upload it to YouTube unlisted. Now we're testing, can they do a video? What do they look like, sound like? Are they able to like, you know, upload to YouTube? Can they make it unlisted? So you're really testing a little bit about their skills as well as, you know, learning about, is this the right fit? Is this person got the competency to help me? And 
you know, so, so yes, I think to your point of, you want to make sure you're hiring the right person for what you want them to do. That's what it comes to boils down to. Okay. Awesome. And then that actually is such an important first step too. And like, I always kind of, there's actually a podcast I've been meaning to record on. It's like, once you get to the first point where you've had somebody that you're hiring, that's bringing in more money than they're costing you, you've made a positive ROI from some sort of a marketing decision. And so many people that we talk to have never been able to do that beyond whatever kind of referral word about stuff that they're doing. So it's a bigger step than a lot of people realize. Then, you know, we've kind of connected to the point where you can start managing things financially or looking into more hires or systems and stuff like that. But to kind of take a little bit of a left turn, can we roll back to a little bit more about your story and how you ended up scaling up to the point where you were a solo attorney at one point and how you ended up getting there? Because I'm, I'm kind of realizing there's all this context I want to dig into. I don't like starting with bios, but I think it's a really good appropriate time to uh, to kind of yeah. get into your story a little bit. So absolutely. I was working 85 hours a week. I was a great trial lawyer. Um, my trials went for two weeks. We had to try the case within the case in the legal malpractice cases. And I mean, there were big cases, but then there was all this management and I didn't know that you could click one button in QuickBooks and create a budget based on last year's numbers. I didn't like my first budget. I, I tried to do with pencil and paper. Like you don't know what you don't know. So no judgment, but you know, as you learn those skills, you're like, wow, okay, this isn't that hard. Um, it scared the heck out of me to start hiring people. But what I learned is if I made a good plan for the first two weeks. And so one of the things you often want to do, here's a little biz nugget for all your, your listeners. Um, you want to do kind of the one-two punch. You bring in a biller person, like an associate or a paralegal, and then right behind you bring in an administrative person who doesn't bill. So the theme is, is the first two weeks of someone's job, you orchestrate so that they feel productive and they're actually making you money right away. So let's go with an associate or a para in week one, your goal is to give them eight billable hours. In week two, you want to make sure they have at least 12 billable hours. That way, by the end of the first two weeks, they've got 20 billable hours. That should cover their first month's pay. So you should never be out with an employee more than two weeks pay. Either they're going to work out in those first two weeks or they're not. And you got to cut loose. Wow. And so we bring them on. Now the next two weeks of the month, the associate or the para is going to keep billing and that's going to cover one. Th so we, I have always operated with the one third to cost of labor, one third to overhead, one third to profit. And as you get an associate and para up to speed in months two and three, they should actually make you not just that three time ROI, but a four and five time ROI. Mm -hmm. So it, for month one, you're aiming for three time first two weeks, just get them covering themselves cost of labor then they're starting to cover the administrative and the overhead and all that, which is going to help pay for that next admin person. And then the other last bit of the month, they're really cranking out some more hours that goes towards your profit. So you get excited about hiring new people because you realize they're actually making you more money every single month. They're covering themselves, they're covering your overhead, and they're covering some of your profit that you can plug back into the business or take home some. So- Yes. I mean, I think with the hiring, it's scary. And that was my biggest thing was I had to hire some people and we went from a little team of four people to eight people. And then from there to 13 and no judgment zone, I hired and fired 23 people in two years to find an 
A plus rock star team of 13 people. But I would, to this day, I would wrap any of them up with a bow. They were amazing. And a lot of that is the journey of getting clear on who you want and what their job is and what they do. And, and this is why I'm really encouraging people to write the job description because the clearer you get on that, it's going to help with the, figuring out your job ad, interviewing, and finding the right person who's really going to be the most productive for you. Please don't use the hire and hope strategy. Hire and hope they know what they're doing. That's not a good strategy. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you want it. So you want to hire and you want to hire intentionally. And that's what's going to have that cause that fast growth. That's yeah. what's going to allow you to, you bring in that biller, then you bring in the admin person. Then you bring in another biller and then you bring in another semi-admin or marketing person, right? And you kind of build and build and build. Yeah. There's a lot of really fantastic things in that process. So I'm just going to try to <laughs> get my mental bull in those wraps. Okay. First thing, 23 hires to get to 13. And you also mentioned that that uh, timeline that you're talking about is fantastic because it sounds obviously there's been a lot of thought that goes into this, but of the people that you had to let go during that two-year period, how many of those were after that initial two-week trial? How did they, like, where did those tend to uh, tend to break down? That was a while ago. So I mean, no, no, <laughs> if you no, can't no. give me to the day, that's fine. But, yeah. There were a number of, there were at least six or seven or eight that didn't make it past the first like two weeks. Right. Like that really legitimately, I actually fired one person after day three. Like what they said in their interview and what they said in their, uh, in their resume just was not consistent with what they actually knew how to do. And, you know, you just, at some point you got to recognize you're, it's not just your time as the owner, it's all the time suck. They're sucking away from the other staff who are trying to help them and fix it all. And then there's the whole fix every time they don't do it right. And at some point you're literally losing money for every day you keep them. And so you, you've got to cut bait, you know, and right. <laughs> uh, one of the things we used to say is like, if you wake up three mornings in a row thinking about someone not your spouse, they got to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great rule of thumb. <laughs> so yeah, so a lot of them were within the first two weeks. A couple of them, you know, hey, we all have our weaknesses. Mine is with staff. I want it for them more than they want it themselves. Yeah. And I would see that diamond in the rough and I'd be like, oh, but if I could just help them learn this. And after like a month and they're not, they're not taking, making the effort to learn, it's like, Kristen, you got it. You got to cut bait. Like they're just not, they have to want it and you got to get rid of it. So yes, um, a number of those were definitely in that first month period. I would say majority is the month period. Yeah. And then probably after that too, like, I mean, on some level, like once you got the process, I was, you know, getting these people, A players on an assembly line, you probably had to clear out some dead wood from, from earlier in the organization, which I'm sure is probably even a harder conversation to have, but Yes and no. I mean, I, I, for everybody on this that's listening, I would encourage you. I mean, this is another biz nugget of you, there's the personal level and there's the CEO position. And you've sometimes got to go to someone and say, hey, on a personal level, I really enjoyed working with you. But as the CEO of the business, this is no longer fitting our needs and this is no longer working. And honestly, we've talked about this. I think you'd be happier other places. There are other things you want to do with your life because maybe... I was a, a litigation. There was lots of fires. There was like last minute needs. I had some people that they moved over and worked with estate planners where it was very calm and very, <laughs> yeah, that was not me. <laughs>
Yeah. Someone's got to push them out of the nest before they can, they can fly, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, and then another thing I really want to talk into, because that is a very tight timeline. Cause I can kind of think about between hiring that we see with clients and hiring that I do internally at case fuel. It's like, sometimes I'm not sure if we could get everyone up <laughs> and running at full capacity in two weeks. And that probably speaks to some differences in systems. So as far as the training process, how do you approach that? Like, you know, there's, there's obviously a point where you are doing all these trainings yourself. And that's the really scary thing because you got to lose time before you get time back. But how do you kind of look into that, you know, skills transfer process and how you eventually get that onto somebody outside of yourself? So let's just give an example as if you didn't have any systems built yet. And you've got a new hire starting on Monday. I would encourage you just like you wouldn't bring home a new puppy without having, you know, some puppy food and a few things, right? You need to do a few things to get ready. Give them a place to sit, a, a computer, get them logged in and give them like, think about what are the top five things they're going to do. If it's a receptionist answering phones, if it's a, um, if it's a, a secretary, a dynamic assistant, they're going to need to manage your calendar, or look at, understand how to schedule things and, and how to organize the files, right? So a little planning ahead can do a lot, but even if you don't get any of that done, and even if your person started two weeks ago, and now here you are today listening to this, give them a notepad or a virtual, like a, let them use Evernote or something. And they're supposed to take notes for everything you say. And when you say things, you literally could either on Zoom, record it, and you say, okay, great. I'm going to show you how we use our schedule. And you do like a little five, 10 minute video. And then you, you know, somebody can clip it out later. But in the meantime, they're supposed to be taking notes as well. And their job every afternoon is to write up two procedures, something they learned in the day, how we do it, what are the key takeaway points of like reminders of what to do. So it might be on scheduling. It might be how we answer phones. It might be how we triage our phone calls. It might be who's on our hot list of, you know, if a person by the name of judge calls, they go straight to me, right? Like, um, but they're always writing down these, these components and then they're typing them up. So literally your new staffer is helping you build the systems as they learn it themselves. And as they type it up, it helps them further solidify the process and it helps them to recognize and come back to you with, Hey, you know, I was writing this up and you jump from like, from A to B to C and then to like F I, I missed what happens in between. Right. And so they can clarify and that's the clarity you want them to have so they can do a good job for you. So you just start somewhere. You just have them start writing it down. Yeah, that's just super interesting too, because it's like, you know, one of the things that we've, uh, and this is always, I think it was, um, I mean, Richard Feynman or something like that, but I think he was basically talking about how teaching is probably the best way to organize your thoughts, but it's like, you're, you're almost teaching an invisible person, right? If you have to come down with this thing and if you don't really understand what the steps are to yourself, it's better to figure it. I guess it's, it's certainly going to be less uh, impactful if you're figuring that out on a dry piece of paper than on a live client matter or something like that. Right. Yeah. But also like you kind of have this giant. Um, and I also, I want to connect this to something that we'd spoken about a little bit on the pre-call, which was, you know, the manual that you guys had for the law office. So is the stuff that you're having these new hires end up doing, is that eventually making its way into the manual or is this for their Absolutely. own? Or what's the process like that look like? Absolutely. So Yes. I mean, and, and for those of you that love to talk through or just show, you know, do a video zoom call and like share your screen. Like, this is how we open a file. This is how we, and just talk it through. 
send it over to Rev or Happy Scribe, have it transcribed. And then somebody can then make that into the step-by-step at a step one, step two, step three, to all of the verbal things that you just described. And that becomes draft number one for your policy and procedure manual. And so you organize the manual. Volume one is like what every person on the staff needs to know, how we organize our files, how we calendar, how we communicate with clients, how we communicate with each other, right? Like all of those components. And then you get into manuals that are like the technical legal manual would be its own, like how we run a case. Um, The financial systems manual, that's another one like that we sell. It's like how you manage your money, all the money in, all the money out, all the reporting. Um, You do, you know, a sales systems manual, marketing systems manual. So you, and in the beginning, they each might be 10 pages. And then over time, you're going to, each time you do a project, you make it better. And so, and as new staff come in, I mean, true story, I had a paralegal that started and she's like, Kristen, I've been working here for six months. And the section about experts says like to be built, can I build that out? And I was like, you go girl, <laughs> you can, <laughs> right? So sometimes you just have a header that tells you, you want to get there, but you haven't yet. And so, yes, it, it doesn't happen overnight unless you do the fast track way and use somebody else's base. And then you like cut out 10, 12 hours of time and you can just tweak what somebody else has done, um, which I'm a big believer of you swipe files in life and, and don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But yeah. And, and so just to finish the story of like, we were talking about pre-call when I sold my law firm, my policies and procedures manuals altogether were about an inch thick. That asset alone was worth a hundred thousand dollar negotiating point. Now I yeah. didn't get that hundred percent full hundred thousand for that alone. I came really darn close. I can't divulge under confidentiality, <laughs> but but I mean, so your short term building clarity, so you, they are empowering the staff member to know how to do it the way you want it done, and long term you're building this asset that's actually saleable that can actually bring you cash. Yeah. And whether you want to have the situation where you're taking four months of vacation at a time, or you just want to have a little bit more sanity on your day to day or to sell the damn thing that, I mean, that really it's, it's all kind of the same end, which is why I think like, you know, we've had a couple of situations where the process has come up and it seems to be a very big focusing point, not coincidentally with the people who are running larger businesses. <laughs> so if anyone wants to read between the lines and isn't doing this, if you want to follow people's feet, that's usually a pretty good thing to do. But another thing, uh, you know, you mentioned the pre-call, which I thought was super impactful because you, you came to the decision where it was time to actually sell the law firm. And what you said that stuck out to me was, is, well, yeah, I wasn't really worried about it. I mean, I knew I could build a seven figure offer. I wasn't any problem. So I just, I had no problem with selling the one that I had. I was like, wow, what a interesting position to find yourself in. Cause it's like, you know, I think there's people who would sell their firstborn to have a seven figure offer. <laughs> but to get to that point, you know, it's, it's not easy, but it's relatively straightforward. Would you agree? It is. It is. I mean, the four pillars of successful business management, a little planning, then the marketing sales, then do, do the management, then the financial controls, and then it circles back around because new level, new devil. So when you go from 200,000 to 400,000, right? There's a couple things you've got to do. You've got to get some basic things in place that those administrative general policies and procedures. So you get a low level admin doing some of that. You get that low level marketing assistant for a couple hours a week, cranking the marketing wheel. So you have consistency in the marketing. It's not just you sporadically 
market, 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 and then in the trenches doing the work. And, you know, you, you've got to like build that little bit. And then as you get into the next level, lawyers cap out between about 250 to 350,000 a year of just a solo lawyer trying to do all the legal themselves. Then when you add another associate or add a para, that's what takes you to that next level. But that also means you have to build up in your law firm a bunch more of the law practice management software and the communication so that at any given time, we know what the para did or the associate, we are all on the same page. And so you're building that aspect up as you're also doing some more marketing. And then to get to the 600, 800,000 level, you're building a little more robustness within your team so that you, the owner, have time to do the things that need to be done to build the business. So it's it's pretty predictable to grow up to that stage. And once you understand how easy it is to write policies and procedures, um, one of my the favorite videos on YouTube that I have is how to write policies and procedures. It's like this little eight, 10 minute video, but it's just like, People think of it as being so difficult and it's not, it's really simple. It's just getting started is the biggest hurdle. So you, your question was, how do you build another, feel so confident to build another seven figure business? Well, once you see how predictable it is in the stages of growth, it's not that hard to go, okay, I can do that again. And I could do it faster the second time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's awesome. So, um, Kristen, I think we're we're getting to the end of the time that we had scheduled, which is really bumming me out because I know we have a lot more to talk about. So, basically, I think it would be great to have you on in the future. But for for now, I think we're in, uh, it's, it's kind of a good point. So, for anyone, and you know, you, I think you mentioned the the first step's the only one you have to take. If somebody's enjoyed what they're hearing and and how you like to think about things, what's the best way for somebody to get into your world? Sure, they can either come to the our website for uplevelingyourbusiness.com or thechristendavid.com. I'm all over on social media. And, and there's lots of stories from me, from my law firm on YouTube and different things of like how I grew my law firm business and built it up, sold it. And why, why and how I'm growing another multi-million dollar business. Again, lots of free resources out there. They're happy. Welcome to connect with me. Uh, but you know, I think the biggest part of this journey for everyone is to recognize it's possible and it's easier than you think with just a little bit of planning, just a little bit of direction and guidance. And this goes to 2021. We're right around the corner and setting goals. Like, where do you want to be in July? And okay, what do you need to get there? Do you want more clients? Do you want more revenue? Do you want a staff person, right? You, you, you decide what you want and then you figure out, okay, what do I need to do to get there? And and then it's just execution, make it happen. Yeah, that's awesome. I don't think I can top that as far as a <laughs> closer for the thing. So Kristen, thank you again so much. I'm sure we'll be on this uh, podcast again, not too long, but for everyone else, um, we'll be on next week, Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern, another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.